This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Kansas City, Damian Williams runs to immortality! Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. No, I went to Temecula and brought you some dirt. And this is how you use this dirt. No, like don't, you, don't. You do it like this, you get it, no, you sort of no. rub it on. Okay, now I'm ready to go. According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpups. How about a pull-up three? Grace Pilot is good! Everything happening in the sports world. The game is over! And the Chiefs kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And even some things not happening in the sports world. I'll probably wrap up in a blanket or something. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing. Another edition of According to Jim right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Or for those of you listening online, worldwide at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner. Joining me as always, the most popular man in the entire city of McPherson and a well-rested Mr. Steve Sell. Steve, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I know you went to bed a little bit early last night. I don't think you made it all the way until the end of the KU game. They were playing Big Monday. 8 they o'clock, had, they had it, it gets done at like 10. They had it well in hand, so uh, I was able to shut it down early last night. You put faith in Coach Self and said, hey, you got this, man. Just finish out strong. I, I don't fa- need to see it. I had faith in Iowa State's defense was so bad that KU could score any time it wanted. What a weird day, especially because yesterday we said, well, KU's pretty good defensively. We do know that. Offensively, eh, they're a little bit shaky. Well, it was the exact opposite. Bizarro world is what it was. It was the exact opposite. Yeah, Steve, we've got a lot to get to today. Okay. Number one, we've got to talk about a couple of monster games tonight down at Bueller. The short, short trip for two monster games between McPherson and Bueller. We've got to talk about that in a little bit. I want to dive into the crazy car wreck last night at the Daytona 500. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that. But we can start with KU at Iowa State last night. Okay. Maybe this KU team is better than we think. Maybe we're just morphed around the, oh, college basketball is a little bit down this year mode. Maybe that's the mode we're in. Yeah. And maybe KU's just better than we think. Maybe this team reminds me, Steve, and for any KU fans, it might stand out like the 2012 team that made it to the national championship game, lost to Kentucky. They weren't overwhelmingly good that year. No. But they got hot at the right time. They had good pieces, good role players, guys like Travis Relliford, Kevin Young, Jeff Withy. Yeah. Elijah Johnson, Tyshawn Taylor. I think I rattled off enough of them. Yeah, They remind me a little bit of that team that maybe the bar was set a little high for them and that early on in the year they were underneath that bar And so maybe people let their guard down a little bit. But that this is going to be a very good basketball team. And Fran Fraschilla last night on the Big 12 broadcast, on the ESPN broadcast, was saying, this might be the most complete team in college basketball. This team has as good of a chance as anybody to win a national championship. And it still seems a little weird to me because it just seems like this KU team is not as good as teams they've had in the last couple years. 
but maybe our bar was just set a little bit too high for all of college basketball going into the year. No doubt. And like you said, this KU team, probably not as good as some KU teams in the past, but maybe it doesn't have to be this year. College basketball, as we've said it time and time again, is way down. Now, what KU has done the last two games that separates it from kind of the earlier part of the season is it's making shots. Right. And Devon Dotson, I don't know what he ended up from three last night. He was five of six last Six of eight. Six of eight. I mean, that's an aberration. He's a, he was a 28% three-point shooter coming into the game. The game before, Marcus Garrett, who was about a 22% three-point shooter or whatever, I think he made six of eight. And even Abaji made some shots last night. If they shoot the three, then they've got a chance because the constant and, and throw out last night, well, throw out a half because really you look at the second half, Iowa State – didn't do much offensively in the second half. They scored some cosmetic points at the end, but the first 10 minutes of the second half, they only had 13 points. Right. Now, the first half, they made 9 of 11 or 9 of 12 from three, I think it was, and they made and some – And they were t- down by 12. Yeah, or, they were down, 10, they're and down 10. And let's face it, it you knew that wasn't going to continue, and that's why the game got away early in the second half. It went from 10 to 20 pretty quick because Iowa State kind of came back to earth shooting the three. But KU's got the big guy. You know, not many teams have a real big, big guy anymore. College basketball, uh, a 6'10", 7-foot center has gone the way of the dinosaur. I mean, KU is one of the few teams in the country that have a legit 7-footer that, you know, is a rim protector. And even when McCormick comes in, he was actually pretty good last night. He's 6'10", very long, kind of awkward and, and, and raw in there, but gets a lot done. But I'll tell you, that, that except for that half, of that first half last night, KU's been the number one or two defensive team in the country, and defense will always keep you in every game. Well, and I also said on the show yesterday, we were kind of laughing at the fact that Devon Dotson is being mentioned as a national player of the year. Yeah. And he certainly looked like that last night, and it still does feel weird to me that he could potentially be that. But again, maybe our bar was just set a little bit too high coming off of a year where you've got Zion. Yeah. R.J. Barrett, yeah, Ja Morant, yeah. all these big-time names that were big-time lottery picks and are already very good NBA players. Right. Maybe it's just not fair to try and compare this year to last year. Well, look at North Carolina in the game right before KU. Uh-huh, what a painful one. Man, has Roy lost more tough ending games than you've ever seen? I think this is two in a row they've lost right at the end. Well, they were up by like 10 with 15, four minutes left. They were up 15 in the second half. Oh. And and Roy says, you know, if he wears a tie and they lose a game, he never wears it again. I think he better get make some kind of deal with a tie maker factory and get, you know, a bunch of ties because they're going to keep losing this year and he's going to run out of ties. Poor Roy. I feel bad for Roy. I don't really have an emotional attach, uh, attachment to Roy Williams because I was really too young anytime he was here. And, of course, I, I didn't grow up a KU fan. I didn't grow up disliking him as a K-State fan. Yeah. I was just an eight-year-old kid that liked Arkansas. Yeah. And he was there and then left. And I really don't have a lot of memory of him leaving except for people weren't very happy. At first. And they, so, they got over it. And so all of my memories of KU basketball are Bill Self. Right. And so I don't really have a attachment to him. I don't really think about him really even as the KU coach. Yeah. And see, it's a little different for me. I got to interview Roy in a plane one time. Uh, 
the Chamber of Commerce brought Roy in to speak as their, you know, their big banquet that they have, guest speaker. And uh, Brett Reber let me go up uh, with him to fly up to pick up Roy and uh, got to interview Roy, you know, uh, and did a story on him. And, and Roy is, he's kind of the opposite to me of Bill Self because Roy is very by the book, you know, everything. Bill Self's kind of one of those fly by the seat of his pants guys. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's a little, Roy's, you know, kind of rigid, loves golf. That's why I like, I really like Roy. He's a really good golfer. I don't think Bill Self really is very good at golf, but Bill runs a lot looser ship and, uh, you know, he's a, he's got a lot of charm and, uh, but both coaches have been unbelievable in their time at Kansas. So maybe Steve, going back to this point, our bar, the nationwide perception of college basketball this year, maybe the bar was just too high. Yeah. Because last year was a really good year for college basketball. Yeah. Really good NCAA tournament, really good top-end talent. And I think maybe our bar was set a little bit too high. It was. And I would assume the same thing, too, for Kansas State, coming off of the last four years that they had with a very similar nucleus of a team. You get to an expectation level. Of, oh yeah, we'll we'll be fine. We, you know, we can yeah. be three or four games over five hundred in the conference. Easy. Oh, we can yeah. do that. Shared the Big Twelve championship last year, and I think that the bar was maybe even set a little bit too high for K State, even though the bar was set lower. And I think that for everybody in the college basketball landscape, maybe we need to lower that bar back down. Maybe it's like in high jump. You know, maybe we had it set as like a seven foot high jump. Mm-hmm. Really impressive, Mark. Last year was a seven-foot high jump. Mm-hmm. Not that many people can do it. And that there are some guys that can do 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, 6'6", six, six, yeah. But they can't do seven foot. Right. And that if we lower that bar back down to like six foot four, okay, then we're back in business, baby. Yeah. And I think maybe that is what will happen here in the month of February, getting into March, and then the madness will ensue. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you, you look at it, San Diego State may be a, you know, a number one seed. Gonzaga's going to be a number one seed. KU. Uh, I like ba- the way you phrased that, saying that San Diego State may be a number one seed. Gonzaga will. Yeah. Gonzaga will be the number one overall seed. Yeah, they they will. And Baylor, uh, let's face it, KU and Baylor, that's the only tough game probably left for either team, except maybe KU has Texas Tech. But other than that, I mean, they're going to be a – you look at everybody else, you, you know, you get past those first four, and from five – well, Duke's lost three, I think, but the rest of the teams have lost five, six. You got teams, I think, in the top 25 with seven or eight losses. Steve, did you follow along with the Daytona 500 last night? Remember, it got postponed on right. Sunday. I did not watch it, and then I heard about Ryan Newman, so uh, I, I saw the film clip, and oh, man, that was that was a scary deal. I, I, I Of course, the first thing I think, I, I'm thinking, what is going through his head when he's flying upside down? I mean, is he is he praying? Is he just immediately praying? I don't imagine praying? he's doing anything because huh? it's happening so fast. Yeah, but he was in the air a long time. But I don't imagine he's like, okay, what am I going to do next Tuesday? No, no. Is I'm, my I'm, lunch date still I'm, on? I'm, what I'm saying is as soon as he gets airborne upside down, he's going, I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my kids if I don't you know, make it out of this crash. I mean, because that is just – that was so scary what happened to him. I guess he's uh, – non-life threatening injuries is that what the latest report is yeah but he's gonna he really he really uh was involved in a very serious scary crash i have the audio from it and i want to 
ask you to listen to it and tell me what stands out about it at the very end of the race. This is the final lap of the Daytona 500, by the way, and Ryan Newman is in first place when this happens. So listen to this and tell me what you notice at the very end of it. Here comes a push from Denny Hamlin. Oh, this thing's not over yet. Not at all. Ryan Newman off turn four for the final time. Blaney to the outside, oh. to the inside. Here comes Hamlin up the outside. Wow. Crash into the wall, into the air. Goes oh. Newman. Upside down. In a shower of sparks on his roof. Ryan Newman comes across the line, fourth. And comes to rest. Did you notice something at the very end? He, he, he had a delay when he said, and comes to rest. No. The but, silence. Yeah. You didn't hear the roars of a crowd. Right. No, this is the final lap of the Daytona 500. Right. The biggest race of the year. Normally, if you don't hear the car engines, you're going to hear, ah! Yeah. And you didn't hear anything. Because and, I think people immediately knew how and Mike, severe it and was. And Mike Joy, had a, he noticed his delay there. He had about a two or three second delay. And he goes, and he crossed the finish line, you know, and then there was a little silence there on his part. And like you said, you couldn't hear anything else. I think everybody feared for the worst. I don't remember another crash that was quite like that. And and sometimes there will be the big pile-ups where there's 10 or 12 cars that get dinged up and mm-hmm. they bounce around a little bit. But I don't remember another one that was quite like that where it was just one guy that starts flipping through the air and then slides for as long as he did. And then the crazy shots of the fire burning in the car and then the fuel, you can see it leaking out of it as well. It was just a crazy scene, and I'm glad he's okay. Yeah, because Ryan Newman's, from everything I've ever read, he's one of the good guys. I mean, people really, you know, he's not like Kyle Busch where, you know, he's kind of one of the bad boys of racing. But I think generally Ryan Newman gets a lot of, you know, out of boys and, and good jobs, uh, one of the more popular guys. And, and I just hope uh, this isn't, you know, debilitating and it won't end his career or anything like that because he's been doing it a long time. Ryan Newman's not a young guy. I think he's, he's been around, what, 15, 20 years probably. So uh, very scary ending. Uh, of course, when you think of Daytona, you think of Dale Sr. Right. And, and you know, that, that's the first thing that went through my mind. Because I, I still, to this day, I watched that wreck that Dale Earnhardt Sr. had, and it just didn't seem that bad when it happened. This one was a lot worse. This was a lot worse. I mean, Dale Sr. kind of went up into the wall, hit the wall hard, yes, but I didn't think it was going to be one of those. You know, I, I, I would never imagine that that was going to be a, a fatality. I've been to the Daytona 500. Yeah. Not the actual race, but... Daytona Motor Speedway. And it's really highly banked, isn't it? Isn't it isn't it's it like, really cool. Isn't it like you could roll a golf ball up the... No, you can't roll it up. It'd be like rolling it up Mount Everest. It's yeah, coming back it's, down. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You roll it up and come right back down because the incline is just unbelievable. Oh, and it's extremely long. So imagine this, Steve. If you go down to Kansas and Maine mm-hmm. and you start driving. Yeah. And by the time you get to about the highway at 135... That's like where the track ends. Yeah. You drive from the intersection of Maine and Kansas all the way out to the highway while driving past Daytona Motor Speedway. It's it's unbelievably long. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's like two and a half miles of it, isn't it? Like, well, I mean, just the, the, the stands and everything that goes into it. Yeah. It's unbelievably long. It's crazy. It takes like five minutes to drive past it. Yeah. All right, Steve. Coming up next.
Let's talk a little bullpup basketball. Let's do. Two really big games after last week. Two games that you kind of knew what was going to happen going Stat in. Stat stuffers is what I like to call You kind of knew what was going to happen, but tonight? Don't know. You don't know what's going to happen nope. when you go down south. And we need to turn Bueller into McPherson South tonight. There you go. Well, we'll talk about it next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. We're back on this afternoon's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE, Steve Sell. Yes. Do you think that Shady Grady Cooper is excited that we talked about NASCAR today? Oh, Grady's the man. He he gets on me all the time. When are you going to talk about NASCAR? Well, we, we've done it. Yeah. We've talked about NASCAR. Well, and Grady is a friend of the show. That's right. Yeah. I saw him on Saturday morning as I was driving out of town, and I said, Grady, you got it ready for the Daytona 500 this weekend? And he said, I think so. Well, that's pretty good for Greg. He, he he gets fired up about NASCAR. Well, Steve, I think you're getting fired up for what could be a very fun doubleheader tonight on the road at Bueller. The McPherson girls come in with a record of 16 and one. They're seven and zero in AVCTL Division Three play. The boys are 11 and six. They are also seven and zero in league play. And these two games will go a long way for both teams. Number one for the girls trying to stay in that race in Class 5A in the sub-state standings. They've got Andover Central nipping at their heels. Right. Meaning that if the Bullpup girls slip up somewhere, Andover Central still has a couple tough games to go, but then they would know they would have a chance at the number one seed. So you've got that pressure from behind. They know Andover Central's right there waiting for them to fall. Right. And so they will try and stay in that number one spot in Class 5A, while the Bullpup boys know that they have their work cut out for them to stay in that six, five-ish range for sub-state, and especially when it comes to league play, they've got a chance to claim at least a share of the league tonight with a win for the eighth consecutive season. Yeah, and, you know, we always talk about league championships. Um, and it seems like in McPherson, league championships don't get a lot of play, but it is it is quite an accomplishment. Both teams going for, what, What'd you say? Eight, eight, eight. Or, both. This is year number eight. This is year eight in Division Three. Both teams have lost one. Count them one game in all the years they've been in Division Three. Seventy-five and one. Seventy-five and one. Both teams seventy-five and one. Uh, the girls' game, I feel pretty good about the Bullpups. Other than uh, they've got some sickness, I think, on their team. Hopefully, you know, I don't know who's gonna maybe miss the game tonight. Yeah, they've done it all year. They've done it all year. Somebody's been hurt when, or when sick. When the, the Bullpups played Bueller last time, it was 44-13 at the half. There was no Lakin Schieferich. There was no Emma Ruddle. There was no Andrea Sweat. And they were up 31 at the half. It comes down to the fact that the Bullpups can put athletes on the floor that can cause turnovers, and they get a lot of points off their turnovers. So I really like the Bullpup girls' chance. Um, remember, they're just a game up on Circle. Circle, I, I don't believe, has lost anybody else You're correct. in the league. Teams Which meet. would set up for a potential championship game on Friday. Right, championship game here on Friday. Now, the boys, uh, this game really intrigues me because uh, Bueller, you know, the Bullpups beat Bueller pretty 
handily here, but I thought that was one of their sixty four forty seven. I thought that was one of their best games of the year. That and the Augusta game, yeah, were two of their best games. And Bueller is playing much better now. It's it, you know they're starting to kind of get used to each other. You know they got some transfers with the holdovers, and they're and and they're really starting to figure it out. And boy, when they beat Augusta, when we told Coach Kinneman that they beat Augusta by nineteen on Friday, that got his attention. Well, it wasn't just the fact that they won. How much they won. It was the way that they did it. Yeah. It wasn't that he went, wow, there's no way they could have won, but the fact that they won by 19. Yeah. 19 against an Augusta team that is really good, is is really good, is bigger than them, and for the way that they play defense, that certainly caught Coach Kinnaman's attention. And I talked to them earlier this morning in in taping our pregame interview, and I think the one thing that he's trying to stress, and he said it on Friday night in the postgame and said it here on Saturday morning, he needs some McPherson people down there. Yeah. Because this is Bueller's biggest home game of the season. Bueller will turn out in mass. And they want very badly to win tonight. Yeah. Because it keeps them in AVCTL Division Three in the race. It keeps them in the 4A substate race. And a win for this Bueller team might spark them to really go off. And right. I think that Coach Kinneman knows that he needs a lot of red. The cardinal color of red. Right. Or, or whatever you would call this. Yeah instead of the maroon color of red, right. to help balance things out. Because let's face it, this is their toughest road game every single season. Right. Going down to Bueller, and I think if he can get enough McPherson people in the stands, that it will help them here tonight. Oh, yeah. And you really don't have to tell McPherson people, you know, to go to Bueller, even though I said it in my spot. We do need a lot of people down there. Um, go early. Um, there's plenty of room now at, at, at Bueller. It's not like the old days where they only seated about 1,200, 1,100 people. It, I think you can get 2,000 in Jim Baker Fieldhouse. It's never, it's never been overflowing in all the years we've played at Bueller. Uh, I don't know how what kind of crowd Bueller have for the girls' game. Uh, you know, it, it's been pretty lopsided in that series. But I'll guarantee you they will turn out in mass uh, for the boys' game. When Bueller played here, that was our best crowd of the year. It was packed for that Bueller game. And, uh, you know, players feed off the adrenaline. And Bueller's going to feed off their crowd tonight. They're going to come out. And that's one thing. I think a key to the game tonight for the McPherson boys, they got to weather the early emotional storm that Bueller's going to play with. And, you know, Bueller is, you know, they, they had that stretch where they won six of seven. Then they had a couple kind of bad losses in there. But then, you know, they beat Augusta. Uh, they beat somebody else. They've won their last two, I believe. And they closed with, Winfield, El Dorado, and Circle. So if they somehow win the night, boy, will they have momentum going into the substate. One, the last couple of times that the Bullpup boys have played down at Bueller, the games are very intense. Oh, yeah. They are very close. Last year, it took a buzzer beater pretty much to win a last-second shot. The year before that, they were going into the fourth quarter only up by about three, and they ended up winning that game by 20. They pulled away late. Yeah. And I think that tonight it is the same deal. It is going to be intense. And I think that we will see a better effort from Bueller. Not better effort, but better and more competitive game from Bueller than we did the first time. Well, they got a big man. They got a six seven big guy. They got good perimeter players. They can shoot the three. Uh they got a and then they got a six three guy that's very athletic. Uh LaShore, he's very athletic. You know, they can tank. They'll be able to battle the bullpups easily on the boards. It'll be a standoff on the boards. I think a big key is big man Cody Stufflebean. Can he get uh, uh, the Tom? Is it Thompson, the big yes. kid? Get him in foul trouble. I think that's a real key. Well, that's what happened the first time, and Cody ended up scoring 20 
in the game against Bueller the first time that these two teams met. And the other thing, too, McPherson takes a lot of pride in winning streaks, and especially in this series. Right. The boys have won 28 in a row against Bueller. The girls have won 12 in a row. And both teams are very mindful of that and want to keep those streaks alive tonight. Well, I go back to when Denny Walgren used to be the coach at Bueller. He was the longtime Salina Central, Salina, or Salina South coach. I asked Denny, who I knew very well, big friend of uh, the father of dog ball, Roger Trimble. Oh, everybody they go is. The, they go to the Final Four, I think, together. But anyway, um, I said to Denny one time, I said, man, this is still a great rivalry. And he looked at me and he goes, it's not a rivalry. Until we win a game in this series – it's not a rivalry. Well, the Bullpups want to keep it not a rivalry because they want to keep that streak alive. The interesting thing for Coach Kinneman's number, so he's 29-3 and three against Bueller, mm-hmm. and they've won 28 in a row. Yeah. So that means he started 1-3. and three. Yeah. They lost several games there in those mid-90s in his first couple of years, and then since 1997, it has been all Bullpups. And so they have hoped to keep that rolling here tonight. I think we're going to have a great atmosphere. Yeah. And I think that these might be, I know that the girls against Circle on Friday is a big game in terms of league standings and that this will be their chance to really win the league. But I think that this is their most important doubleheader of the season here in the month of February in the back half of this season. Yeah, and for the boys, they can clinch it no worse than a tie for the title. Um, then they can win it outright on Friday. So uh, they, they they do take a lot of pride in their streak and – and, again, we haven't even talked about this. Class 5A West, the Bullpups need to win out because right now they're sitting at six, and they need to be at least six by the end, maybe move up to five. You know, they, they want to stay away from Carroll and Andover. Now, not that they can't beat those teams, but I like our chances. Well, it's much- like if you're in the AFC playoffs – you know, you want to stay away from Patrick Mahomes. Right, you, right. You don't want to have to play him in the first round or yeah. the second round. So in Class 5 at West, the, the Bullpups have climbed to six. And for the girls, like you mentioned earlier, they need to win out, so they're number one. Steve, will take one more break. Wrapping up today's show, you're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union. Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Ramping up today's According to Jim, 96.7 FM KBBE. Steve Sell, do you get the vibe today that we're going to have a fun night down in Bueller? Oh, I think it's going to be great. I think it's uh, going to be fantastic atmosphere. Justin Sizer, the AD, treats us great down the man. there. He is the man. And I think he's had a lot to do with, you know, really kind of taking some of the bitterness, I'd say, out of the rivalry. It's more of a – now it's a friendly rivalry. It's not like the bitter rivalry it once was. Well, Steve, big night tonight. Then we've got some – Mac, Mac College basketball on Wednesday night. Yeah. The Central Christian College Tigers are at home on Thursday. Yeah. The Bullpups are at home on Friday. Bulldogs The Bulldogs Saturday. are at home on Saturday for yeah. the final game of the regular season. This is a very, very busy week for you and I, to say the least. Yeah, and that's we've kind of become accustomed to that. So, so take it easy tonight. Oh, I, I'd go full blast. Just, just full throttle. preserve yourself because you know there's a big week coming up. Oh, I know. I know that hamstring is is barking at you. I have a real bad hamstring. What did you do? 
I'm not really, you know, I played golf on Sunday and I was fine. Let me ask you this. Do you have sort of a kick in your, in your sleep? You, you kick? I don't think so. Not that I remember. You ever wake up and your covers are on the floor? No, I don't do that. So, the, so there's no kicking? No. I figured maybe you were in your sleep pretending to be on Coach Adrian's soccer team and kicking and winding up. And well, then that hammy's a little sore know, in the morning. I've always had trouble with my hammy. And it's just been, it's kind of chronic. And there's just really nothing I can do about it. It's just, you know, like I said, I got done playing golf Sunday. I felt fine. But then yesterday, man, by about 10 o'clock, that thing was tightening up. I was walking around peg-legged. <laughs> well, hopefully you don't have to do that tonight. I hope We'll not. park nice and close to Jim Baker Fieldhouse All right. for you. Okay. Wrapping up today's show for Steve Sound, I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to According to Jim. We'll talk to you tonight on The Road at Bueller. According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell was brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson, Next Tech Wireless, and Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva. Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE.